Awesome God, what we know not, please teach us. What we have not, please give us. And what we are not, please make us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I did a little bit of VBS this week. Um, I was able to come... All three of us were supposed to help out. I mean, the things that happened at BBS this week were insane, you guys. Uh, and that things got covered and the amount of volunteers was amazing. And so Tuesday, I did come and I was a part of it. I was with the third graders. And third graders are awesome, you guys. They're the best. Like, third graders, they're like, they're, they have all the energy in the world to participate. And they're not, like, too cool not to participate. I mean, third graders are the best. And so I'm with the third grade class, and we're having a lot of fun, and we go outside to do the, there were four stations you went to, and we were, we were at the um, game station, and Jay, our student minister, he ran the game stations, which he absolutely needs a round of applause because he was outside. <laughs> I mean, and I don't know if you remember, but it was whatever adjective you want to put hot this week, right? It was, you know, you can say however you want it. It was that hot. And he was out there all day. So anyway, we're, it was obstacle course day. You did jump rope, and then you ran around cones. You did this ball thing, balance beam, and then you jumped over some hurdles at the end. And so we were having some fun. The kids were all doing it. It was great. And, uh, and so Jay, near the end of our time, he decides uh, he's going to go do the obstacle course. And... And uh, so, in fairness to what I'm about to say to Jay, I didn't even try to do it, right? Like, I'm twice Jay's age, and I'm like, I'm not even going to try to do it. So Jay does it, and compared to the kids, he's okay, you know? So I'm razzing him a little bit. I'm like, Jay, what, what's the deal, bro? You, you know, you did, what, why so slow? And so Jay says, well, it's the jump rope. I, I don't know how to jump rope. And so... I'm like, what do you mean you don't know how to jump rope? And he's like, I just, I just never learned. I, I don't know how to jump rope. And Sophia, in our, our little Sophia, she, she's about this tall, she, in our, our third grade group, she's listening to this conversation Jay and I has, and I, I, wish, I wish you could hear it in her voice. She just kind of looks at Jay with this utter sassiness, and she says, Jay, what do you mean you don't know how to jump rope? You jump over the rope. (laughs) You know, I loved that moment. It was spectacular. It was a great week of VBS, you guys. Man, don't we overcomplicate things sometimes. Don't we overcomplicate things? Thank you. Um, Our summer series is on the fruit of the Spirit, and I want to unpack this passage and give us the context for what it means that the power of God in the Holy Spirit resides in you and me. And how we can yield and experience His power is maybe so much more simple than we think. Galatians 5, 16, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. 
But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, empty, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. I've been a Christian for almost 30 years, and the older I get, the more I understand, and the more I learn, and the more I realize I need to understand, and the more I realize I still need to learn. But that being said, Paul bookends this passage with the simplicity of what it means to be a Christian. In some ways, the simplicity of Sophia's statement, just jump over the rope, that the simplicity of what it means to live as a Christian or to be a Christian is to walk by the Spirit. And my proposition for us this morning, to you and to all of us this entire summer, is that thought, that if you long to experience the fullness of the Christian life, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. It's going to be the point of our series, and every Sunday I'm going to remind myself and you this is the same thing, to be reminded and encouraged to walk in the Spirit. So today, what I want to do is unpack the struggle that Paul unveils here to walk by the Spirit, and then we're going to look at each side of the struggle, the flesh side and the Spirit side. So if we're going to talk about walking by the Spirit, what's the struggle that exists? And then we'll talk about the flesh side of that and the spirit side of that. So let's first talk about the struggle. Paul starts by saying, there is this thing that's happening in you. There is this pull, this tension, this fight that exists between the Spirit and the flesh. It's what he unpacks there in verses 16 through 18. And, you know, I think what's really helpful about the foundation for this whole concept is this, that, that for me, and I think a lot of you are like me, like, I just like things to be fixed and finished. You know, like having a project, it's so nice when it's just finally complete, right? When you're finished building your deck or changing the oil in your car, or even, even to some extent mowing your guard, even though it grows back, right? There's, there's, a, there's a, I've done this and it's over. And what I've learned about life, especially in being a pastor, is that people are never fixed. We're never fixed. Now, we want to be, which actually I believe is something God put in us to remind us that there is a future place where we will be. And we need to hope and long and look forward to those days. But until that day, there's going to be this struggle for us until we get there. And, and that's my first point to you about this struggle is that Paul's saying the fight isn't over. In fact, there's a new fight now. When, when you come to faith in Christ, when you take that step 
to, to follow Jesus, there is this fight that we are still a part of. You see, before we were following God, before we were centering our lives on Jesus, what, what we were, Romans 5.10 tells us, is that we were enemies of God. So basically, we were fighting him. Like, we don't believe that what his ways are the best ways, or we don't think that he was the creator, whatever it is, that there's this battle between us and God that's being ensued. And, and for some of us, for an invitation to all of us, when we put our faith in Jesus, what happens is, is we trust that Jesus has dealt with the battle that was between us and God because he took away our sins. And what Paul's saying is, yep, that war no longer exists, but there's a new fight that you now fight. There's a new fight that you are now a part of where you're now going to have your flesh, which still exists in you, and now this spirit, and this new nature that exists in you that are going to go to battle against one another. And, and, and what I think is important here in this is just recognizing that, that there is a struggle you and I are going to face during our day, during our life, that will never go away. And what I love about this picture here is as we fight against God, there is this, it really has this tendency to push us down, that it, 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 we can be crushed by that fight. But what this fight, this fight between the spirit and our flesh, that as we fight with the spirit, that he's actually going to build you up. Because that's what he says in the verse, right? That, that if we trust and give into the power of the Spirit in our lives, we're going to do the things we want to do. The things that we want to do, he says. J.C. Ryle, a famous author and preacher, he said this. It's a little clunky, but he says, A true Christian is one who has not only peace of conscience, but war within. He may be known by his warfare as well as his peace. And what he's saying here is he's drawing this very picture that I was saying, right? That there is this peace that we have with God now, that that war no longer exists, but there now is this new war that we are in, this new fight, that true Christianity is a fight. And my question to you this morning is, is that true of you? Are you aware of that? Are you aware of this struggle between your flesh and the spirit of God that is in you? And how are you doing in that fight? The fullness of the Christian life is experienced when we understand the fight and we realize that we've been given the spirit to win that fight. So, just jump over the rope. <laughs> Walk by the spirit. Now, one more thing to point out on this that I appreciate about Paul's posture here is that, again, this fight will never end until eternity. And I think what he points out, which is also really important to remember, is that it's going to be really easy for us to flip back and forth, to flip back and forth from the flesh to the spirit and to the spirit to the flesh. I mean, Paul is telling us that, that the fullness of the Christian life, that there's this, there's this battle that's going to be happening. And, and in that battle, I, I think sometimes, you know, this, we can flip back and forth in split seconds. You guys know that experience, right? Like, you know, you're having this moment where you're doing great, and then the next moment you're like, angry as all get out. You know, it just like comes out. It's just like, whoo, 
when we're, you know, the, that there's this, it's, it's just this tension to go back and forth. And I think what Paul's encouraging us here, and we're going to dig into this a little bit this morning, but some the rest of the summer, is, is what I would argue that part of what we need to think about and what Paul's advising us here is he's, he's not necessarily just talking about our actions. He's really trying to get at what, where those actions comes from, so our motives and what's in our heart, that th- that's what the flesh wants. Its, you know, its desires drive our actions, and the spirit's desires drives different actions. And so the tension here that we want is we want us, our flesh, we want to push down what the flesh is trying to get us to do and push up the spirit and how he wants to work. That That's kind of this picture here that's happening, that you're going to be flipping back and forth, but try to be doing this to push up the spirit and his motives in our lives. I mean, who, let me ask it this way. Are your motives ever 100% pure? Ever? I mean, no is the answer. I was going to ask some questions here to really help you think through this, but I, I'm just not. I'm just going to tell, it's just, I don't have to prove it to you. you we know are, they're never 100% pure. And the, which is the point. There's a fight that we're in. There's a fight that we're in. And we have to be aware of the flesh and aware of the flesh's desire to do the things we don't want to do and push that down and, and create, provide, allow the spirit to be pushed up the right motives in our lives. So let's talk a little bit more about the flesh. Let's jump into that just for a second here. What do we learn about the flesh? Paul, he says, now the works of the flesh are evident, and he does this list, and he ends this with this crazy thought where he says, and this isn't even all of them. There's more to this list that could be added. And what Paul implies here is that we all get what the desires of the flesh are and how to give in to them. So when you see this list, I mean, some of us read this list and we're like, ooh, I don't know about that, I don't know about that, but, but the list should make every single one of us go, yeah, fits of rage, yeah, okay, I know about that, or, or yeah, oh, idolatry, or sexual morality, I mean, impurity, he, he, it's a very comprehensive list of things that he's saying your flesh leads to, and what he, well, the way he's trying to unpack this is he's like, everyone should be like, hmm, yep. I got that. And what I want us all to think about here is what Paul's trying to say is part of this path, part of how we walk by the Spirit, there has to be this undiscipling and rediscipling in order to live this new life. That, that what he's, why he's bringing this out, this idea of what the, the, he's calling out the desires and works of the flesh. So he's saying like, this is what you used to give yourself over to. You used to think that was okay. Now, so now I want you to, I want to kind of expose that in you. And I want you to think about how you're not going to give into those things. But not just in your own strength. You have the power of the spirit now to, to teach you, to lead you into a new walk and a new way of life. So I'm, I'm left-handed. Uh, I'm actually weird. I do everything right-handed, but I write left-handed. Is anyone else that? Yes, see? We're going to have a club after church today. We're going to start our own little club. So um, when I was in third grade, Miss Fortuna, you know, that's when we started to learn how to write script in third grade. And she, my hand, it was bad. 
I mean, I, I couldn't even, I don't even remember really how I used to do it. But what I remember that she did was she started, she was like, listen, you got to learn to do this differently. So we're going to, you got to unlearn how you wrote, and then we're going to help you learn how to write. So we had all these tricks I did. She had me use a book, you know, so I wouldn't turn my hand over, and then she had, because she, she wanted me to write flat, and um, the unfortunate part of this illustration is she really never helped me write well. It changed, it changed how I wrote, but my handwriting didn't get ever any better. But this is kind of the beauty of this hope that Paul gives to us is he's saying, listen, if you'll unlearn, undisciple yourself for the way you gave in to the desires of the flesh, it's not just practical things I'm going to give you to be different. I'm going to give you the spirit of God. And he is going to give you the power to live in a new life, in a new way, in a new nature. So when we think about the flesh side, it's not just like stop doing those things. I think there's, uh, uh, there's something we have to recognize. Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm good at that. I'm really good at giving into the desires of the flesh. And so I'm going to have to undisciple myself and re-disciple myself through the power of the Spirit to live differently. Now, the, the second part of this section here that Paul says, he ends by saying this warning. He says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, this should make us a little worried. I mean, I just made you all say you know how to do these things. And now Paul says, if you do these things, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. So what's going on here? It's, a it's actually a really important question for us to ponder. But so let's, let's reflect on what, what Paul's doing in this passage. What he's saying is, he's saying, listen, these things that... that, that are the desires of the flesh. He's trying to encourage us that there is a fight that you're going to enter. And if you, that all that matters to you is giving in to the desires of the flesh, he's trying to say then you haven't, you're still in this war then with God. John Calvin, a reformer and writer and great thinker, he, he said this, listen to what he said. It's a little long, but it's really good. He said, for who is there who does not labor under one of these sins? He's talking about this, this very passage, okay? So he's like, okay, who doesn't struggle with one of the things on this list? Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. Who doesn't struggle with one of those? I reply, he says, Paul does not threaten that there shall be excluded from the kingdom of God all who have sinned, but all those who remain impenitent, or, or and that word, it's a big word, it just means those who are not repentant, or, or those who are saying it's, it doesn't matter. The saints themselves are heavily burdened, but they return to the way. Because they do not surrender, they are not included in this catalog. All the threatenings of God's judgment call us to repentance, for which pardon is always ready with God. Now pause there for just a second and look at me. 
What, what John Calvin is saying is he's saying, look, if giving into the desires of the flesh like this is all you care about and it doesn't matter to you, then you're still in this war with God. But if you fought that war, guess what? You're now in a battle between your flesh and the spirit. And there are going to be moments when the flesh rears its ugly head and we see it in our lives because that's how we've lived for years. And he's saying, God is ready with open arms to say, I forgive you. I love you. I don't accept you because of how you behave. I accept you because of the work of Christ. And so there's this invitation to those of us who struggle. This is what Paul, the whole point of this passage, is like, look, there's a fight that's going on. And he makes this point. He's like, if you don't care about that fight, well, that's a different issue. But if, if you understand this fight and your struggle in that fight, okay, well, be prepared then because God is always ready. But if we continue obstinate, which means bullheaded or stubbornly or we don't care, like I'm just going to do it, then what Paul's saying is, hey, there's a warning here because maybe you're still in a different fight. And, and I would say I like the word indifference here too. Like if you're struggling, that's a great sign. If you're indifferent, that's what Paul's warning us to. I remember when I was 18 years old and I was struggling just personally in my own walk. I've shared this story with some of you before and, and I, I went and talked to one of my teachers and I was like, yeah, how do I really know? I mean, I, I just, I, I struggle so much with sin and I, you know, the things I do, I, I don't want to do and the things I want to do, I don't do, kind of that Romans 7 thing and, and I'll never forget what he said to me. It, was really, it has really shaped quite a bit of my theology and understanding of what it means to walk as a Christian. He just said, Brian, that hunger you have in you to be different is evidence in and of itself that God is at work in your life. And that, I can't tell you how many times in my life I've preached that truth to my heart. That in my own struggle and in my own wonder and concern, that, that actually the struggle is evident. That, that I wouldn't want to even struggle if it wasn't God's spirit who is in me saying, I want to win the fight and I want to help you. Come join me in that. And that's why the point of this passage is to say, jump over the rope. <laughs> fight the fight. Walk by the spirit. He's in you and he wants to do something different in you. And so let's talk now about the Spirit and what He wants to do because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And when we walk by the Spirit, here's what happens in our lives, the things we all want in our lives. And this is where we're going to be the rest of the summer. We're actually going to take each one of these over the rest of the summer. So when I was in high school, I was a part of our youth group choir and we did a cantata one year and it, part of the it's like a group of songs. We did a choir tour thing. And in one, of the, in one of the songs we sang, we sang about the fruit of the Spirit. And I still remember the song. I want to teach it to you. You may have heard different songs about fruit of the Spirit, but it's good to help us remember the fruit of the Spirit, right? So we learned this song. Love, joy, and peace. 
patience and kindness, gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. And we had, you know, we did like Jessica, we had moves to it. And uh, I don't remember the moves. I remember the song, I don't remember the moves. One more time, because I want you to sing it back to me. Love, joy, and peace, patience and kindness, gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Because it's good for us. It's good for us to ha- think about these things and know them, right? Like, what does the Spirit want to do in us? So one more time. Ready? Love, joy, and peace, patience and kindness, gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. So we're four months into the choir tour. And my buddy Greg, he goes, Brian, I think there's one missing in that song. We look it up. Let's see. Love, joy, and peace, patience, and kindness, goodness. Good. Love, joy, and peace, patience, and kindness, gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control, and goodness. (laughs) Oh, goodness. That's better. We should do it that way. Gentleness, self-control, oh, goodness. Yeah, that's good. I like that better. Okay, thank you. Let's go with that. All right, so now, when you wake up next days this week and you sing that song, I want you out loud to say, oh, goodness, oh, goodness. Because that one, Brian spent years of his life trying to fruit of the Spirit in his life, all except goodness, because that wasn't there. All right, fruit of the Spirit. I just... A couple of quick things about this that I think are really important. Uh, The first thing is this. Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit. He says it singularly. So if you look at the rest of the passage, he said, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the Spirit, everything plural, the works of the flesh, but the fruit, not Fruits, plural, but the fruit of the Spirit. Why? It's actually incredibly important to this passage and how we understand the power of the work of the Spirit in our lives. You see, what Paul's saying here is he's trying to help us understand that it's not just these nine things, oh goodness, it's not just these nine things that you're going to work on individually to try to get better at. Because even the Greeks back in the day would have, you know, like, hey, let's be more loving, let's be more patient, let's be more good, let's be more faithful. It's not just these things that we try to be better on in our lives. What he's saying is when you're walking by the Spirit, the one fruit of the Spirit is going to be All of these things in your life. So for me, the image that helps here is it's not like, you know, love is watermelon and, you know, peace is an apple. It's all in orange. Think about it like that. An orange is a great metaphor for the fruit. It's, there are pieces or aspects, sections, if you will, to the orange, but it's still all just one fruit. And when we're walking by the Spirit, all nine of the aspects of the Spirit are going to be evident in our lives. Because those are the things we want. And this is the invitation to us 
If you, if you want to do a grapefruit, that's fine too. But orange, I like oranges better. Grapefruits are a little sour to me. So I like the orange picture here. That um, We talked about this two weeks ago, and I just remind us again. The fullness of the Christian life is not us just being nicer, better people. It is a supernatural transformation where the flesh is crushed and love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are evident. All of them are evident in the life of those who know Jesus Christ and the power of his spirit and are walking in the spirit. So to you, church, I, I say to you, walk. Walk by the spirit. Now, the second thing that's important about this passage is he says, after he lists all of these things, he says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And it's interesting, the language here that Paul uses when he says, have crucified, he's not saying it's a one and done thing. It's actually an over and over and over and over kind of aspect to it. So my second point to you about living and walking by the Spirit is that this kind of lifestyle or the fruit in our lives needs to be cultivated. Now, I'm not saying we try to do these things, but what needs to be cultivated is a situation and uh, environment where the fruit can be blossom in our lives. So what Paul's saying is that when we walk in the Spirit, they're, they're, the way we crucify the desires in the flesh, I want to give you two extremely practical ways to, to walk in the power of the Spirit. And the first thing is this. I would say what we need to do is not pray, God, give me love, give me patience, give me goodness, but teach me. It's actually, I hope you can see the really intentional distinction of how this is flipped. Like, God, I need this from you. Instead, what we're saying is, Father, if your Spirit is in me to make me be different and new, then teach me through the Spirit, to have these things in my life. Teach me to be these things, not give me. And the second thing that I would encourage us to do in this walk is to say to God, thank you, not more, please. So teach me and thank you. The walk, right, we talk, there, you know, this plays into some of the things in our mission statement, believing the gospel, which is repentance and faith. I would also argue to you that that is simply we can say to God, teach me to live the way you've already given me the power to live and thank you that I have fully in me all that I need to be this new person. That, that all of the fullness of the Spirit is in us to help us live and walk in his strength and power. So over the next nine weeks, we're going to look at the nine aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. And yes, we're going to include goodness, I think I'm preaching that one. I don't remember. I hope I am. And for all of us today, I would say to you, my call to you, my invitation to you, that the fullness of the Christian life is lived when we walk by the Spirit. And we do that by giving thanks and by asking the Spirit to teach us. And so would you try that this week? Maybe in the morning when you wake up, take 30 seconds and just say to God, thank you that your spirit's in me. Thank you that you understand that I'm in a fight. Thank you that I can't win this fight on my own. And so you've given the spirit in me to be different. Now teach me how to cultivate 
a situation and a lifestyle where I'm not gratifying the desires of the flesh, but rather I'm walking in the power of the Spirit so that the things that I want in my life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, will truly be what come forth from me. I remember years ago, and I'll end with this uh, movie called The Beautiful Mind. Have you guys ever seen Beautiful Mind? You know that movie? It's a really good movie, actually. Based on a true story, it's about a guy named John Nash, and he is an incredibly brilliant economist, and he uh, has paranoid schizophrenia. And you don't know this at the beginning of the movie. And so as the movie's going along, he's got these three people in his life that, in his life that try to get him to do things that is not necessarily bad, but, uh, but that he, it's like kind of this crazy thing where he thinks there's this war and da-da-da-da-da. And then in, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it by now, it's your own fault. Uh, <laughs> By the middle of the movie, he, he realizes that they're not real. He realizes that they're not real. And kind of the second half of the movie is how he, how he learns to not give in to the flesh, if you will, and walk in a different way. And when I watched this movie, I, I, I couldn't help but sense the parallel of gratifying the desires of the flesh and walking by the Spirit. It was just so evident. And there's this great quote at the end of the movie where he's walking with his friend. And his friend looks at him and he says, so are they gone? Are the people that have caused you to do these bad things, are they gone? And he says, no. And maybe they never will be. For our dreams or our nightmares, you've got to keep feeding them for them to stay alive. You've got to keep feeding them for them to stay alive. And my question to you today, church, is who are you feeding? Are you feeding the flesh? Are you gratifying the desires of the flesh that are in you and, and, and letting the flesh win? Or are you walking by the Spirit and, and saying to God, God, thank you that there's a power within me that is you to win this battle. And I want to walk in your power. And that would be my challenge to you today, church. Let us jump the rope. Fight the fight. Give thanks. And walk by the Spirit. Because if you long to experience the fullness of the Christian life, then walk by the Spirit. Let's pray.